0: You're listening to Outside Radio. Welcome back to Ugly Girls Club on Outside Radio. Thanks to everyone for being part of this amazing journey with me and Ugly Girls Club and Outside Radio. We are so thankful for everyone who takes the time to get involved, participate and listen to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Outside Radio underscore. Also, don't forget to tap that subscribe button. So when we post our podcasts or any other content on the streaming platforms you'll be the first to know um and also follow us follow us everywhere apple podcast spotify soundcloud wherever we may be you'll find us follow us google podcast just follow us just subscribe and follow us Thank you to Usigi for last week's episode. As I said last week, schools were opening, and I thought it would be really cool to have a conversation about our university environment, our university schools, and the differences you get from Model C universities and uh, a previously. Uh, black a historically black university and the disparities that happen so if you haven't listened to this epi- to that episode check it out it's really informative Siki was part of the UCT student body so she has quite a lot of insights um, on how students were treated and how the UCT environment was when she was there and probably still is this month, we are doing something different on Outside Radio. We are going to be having a month where we're just going to be talking about human rights as it's Human Rights Month in South Africa. we will be talking about human rights in its different contexts, in its different spaces and places. Um, and some episodes, I mean, won't be sad, you know, like this one. I think it's a really positive, empowering episode. Um, and then there'll be more throughout the month. So check out our Instagram for notifications on articles, new podcast drops, um, and other content that we will be doing around um, human rights this month. Okay, so this week, uh, we are going to be talking about human rights and art and activism and how all of these things work together in our society and how they have been always part of change in society you know art um, and activism has always been part of our our has been part of like propellers for change. Um, if I can put it like that basically in in major movements, you know, art and culture is like a heart is the heart of a lot of societies, you know um, Not everyone is going to go to uh, a rally to go protest, but everyone can listen to a song and feel impacted, listen to poetry, look at an art piece, a graffiti on the wall and be impacted by that and moved to create change. So to talk through this episode with me, I have the amazing Ukani Sile from this awesome, super duper, like doing great things organization, Kids of Miko. Welcome, Kanye.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Um, So, what we like to do on the show is, I like having people introduce themselves, especially as black women. We are never given the opportunity to give, like, who we are, what we love, you know, um, to say it out loud with our full chest. So, do you mind introducing yourself and letting the
1: listeners know how amazing you are, please? (laughs) Not at all. Um, So... I am a 22 year old African woman. My name is Kanyeila Shavalala and I'm currently in my last year at Roach University. Um, I'm also the founder and coordinator of Kids of Beko um, and and yeah that's that's me. That's cool so what are you what are you currently doing at Rhodes? Um, so, I am working towards a BA triple majoring in politics, drama, and philosophy. How is that going for you? Because I, I know triple <laughs> majors are like tense. Um, you know what, I, I've actually really enjoyed my my process only because, I mean, like, with Rhodes, roads, you know, how we were able to swap and, and figure out, you know, what courses we want to, or what courses are really for us. So, I, in first year, I started off um, studying law, law, journey, what was it, it was law, journey, history and politics, you know, and over over the years you know i was able to figure out what really was for me and and all that stuff so my degree currently is is literally the best thing that i've ever i've ever done for myself to be honest that's
0: cool i dropped politics in um first first year yeah because <laughs> i felt like like a little bit um white if i can put it like okay. that so to this episode um you're talking human rights um, to you, you know, because sometimes I like to see like where people's heads are at about a, a, a certain framework you know um, and I don't want like a a dictionary definition no it's about how you feel about this, you know. Um, Human rights, you know, what does that term necessarily mean for you as Okanyu Sele and then as kids of Miku?
1: Um Now, nah, personally, when I hear human rights, um, I hear, you know, just, just like equal civil rights for people. Um, the opportunity for people, for all people, to... Live and be able to do what they want to do, you know, so to have a sense of freedom over their own bodies, um, you know, over over what what they want to do. Because Anisha, at the end of the day, people are different. Um, and so we enjoy different things. We want to take part in different things. So giving people um, human rights is one to give people that access and the resources that they need to, you know, fully um immerse themselves in like their own personal needs or wants um but I think from a more uh kids of Biko side of it um uh, I think human rights would specifically speak to people of color people who you know come from a history um where you know their lives have 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 um very much been determined or or not determined, have, have functioned, um, in, in relation to whiteness, um, or subject to whiteness, um, you know, black people, everything, almost everything that we do, um, it's, it's almost, um, tied to whiteness, um, so, so human rights would be, um, breaking that chain, um, and allowing, um, you know, black people, people of color to live without um, the shackles of, of, you know, oppression, of their oppression. And I think also like for women, it would be um, away from the oppression of um, patriarchy and the, the power that men have over us um, for people um, who are part of the LGBTQI plus community, it would be, um, the power, the rights, and the liberty to work, to function, to, to live without, um, being subject to heterosexual, um, um, ways of living or principles or whatever the case might be. Um, so yeah, so in a nutshell, human rights is just allowing people to do what they want to do to be free to to be able to live authentically um authentically in who they they are you know and what speaks to them um yeah
0: Mm, i agree and i think also for me the the term dignity um is a a big thing for me when it comes to human rights as well you know Uh, it's like how you're saying um, having to have people um, live a full life, right? Yeah. Out of these constraints, yeah. without these other things saying yes or no, you know? Um, when, when we are quote-unquote full people without these distractions, there's a sense of like, dignity being brought back into you you know um as a as a woman as a member of the LGBT community you know um I'm not saying like someone is dignityless walking around Mm -hmm. you know just the idea of being able to stand up straight and tall without having um that outside person saying you don't have the right to do this you know um and we'll talk about that a little bit more later um the 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 replenishing really um of yourself with art and the the aspects of your rights right Mm -hmm. um and Kids of Beagle, why was the organization formed? Like, what was missing in society, um, particularly in Joburg or in Grahamstown, that you felt like, you know, this needs to be done? For sure. Um,
1: so, the, the the power of Kids of Beagle is that Kids of Beagle has really, really grown, developed and invo- evolved with me, you know, as I've become more conscious so has the organization um so originally Kids of Biko I mean originally Kids of Biko actually is not what it was initially (laughs) intended to be at all um I founded Kids of Biko in my last stretch of high school when I I just felt that as as you know as the black girls in my school. So I went to a private school. Um, So of course, um, you know, there were a lot more white people. And um, there was no like, there was no space or place for black girls to kind of call home um, in that institution. So for me, Kids of Biko was about creating that space, you know, creating a space where black, black people can come and, you know, have conversations, have conversations that the school wasn't ready or wasn't wanting, um, you know, us to have, but were conversations that we needed to have. Um, and, and just from there. A lot of my friends from other schools around, um, you know, were also just like, listen, we really want to be a part of these conversations as well. Please, can you extend um, the platform to, you know, not just your your school, um, and and that's that. That was really how Kids of Beagle ended up becoming a organization, um, and and yeah, yeah, that that was about the inception of it. That's super cool, so where would you guys hold these
0: meetings? because um, I just want to first point out like that's really great being in those environments mm-hmm. i I fully relate um, being in a, a private school situation where you're basically really suppressed really um, your your blackness has no space there, um, even in I remember like in history class. we'd be talking about issues surrounding like land or in apartheid you know and the the white voice was always really prevalent um in the conversation whereas giving space to the black child to express you know um what what the legacy of apartheid left for for us you know even if we are in a higher lsm we still have family members you know who are still in the township family members in rural areas you know so there's we still live in that context so um, that was super cool that you guys that you um created a space like a safe space for 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 black kids alike you know and i'm sure everyone was invited really yeah um to to have a conversation like that's so cool like because i remember like i just i was acting out like i was like "Fuck the white people <laughs> i was a mess like i was so angry like i was just like oh because you know you assimilate 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 yeah. and then there becomes a point
1: where you just had enough and yeah for me that was um actually one of my biggest challenges but also motivation um and and what really 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 inspired me to um you know get kids on its feet was i come from a very proud african black home um you know i come from a family where my dad is a pan-africanist Um, My mom's extremely, um, you know, centered in African spirituality. And so for me, I almost literally felt as if I was, I had to be two different people. You know, when I'm at home, then, you know, I'm, I'm I'm you know, I'm 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 getting exposed to, you know, the writings of people like Steve Beagle. I'm I'm being exposed to the philosophies and the type of leadership from um, you know, our greatest leaders such as Thomas and Garrett, at school, like I'm not exposed to these people at all. Um that's something that I kind of have to leave I literally you know it literally felt like as soon as I stepped onto campus, I had to get rid of that in order for me to fit in, in order for me to, um, you know, find find my place, you know, within the school. Um, so there's always like this dual thing happening in my life. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it did take for me to to reach... You know, grade eleven, um, when I was just like, you know what, I don't want to do this. This is this is exhausting. I also just want to live. I just want to be a child. You know, I just want to be a teenager. I just want to be a student. I don't want to have to perform or you know, to, you know, feel like I had to subdue myself to make other people feel comfortable. And um, I mean, to be very honest, my um, high school. I must say that the our specifically my grade the girls the black girls already kind of had their own identity to be very fair so even starting this was very easy because amongst ourselves you know we were already finding our voices you know where when teachers said things that like just didn't even make sense, you know, we were confident enough. To, well, we are starting to gain the confidence to say, listen, boo, um, this is not okay for you to say um, that you don't see race or whatever is, is an insult to me. Like, I want you to see my blackness. I want you to see who I am. And, you know, as a teacher for you to be pushing, you know, these types of narratives or whatever is a problem to me. So we already kind of, um, we're already kind of fighting the system in our own way um but but yeah just just we we still needed the space for us to like one central space for us to come um and and you know continue these conversations, and um like you're saying like the the space was open, which was the the cool part, you know it wasn't just for um the black girls like if you know if you have white friends or whatever that wanted to be part of a cool they could come but they just had to come with the understanding that you're here to listen and you're here to um to hear what we have to say but you're not here to take control of the conversation um to be fair we don't actually even want your opinion and that's that and biko why
0: why steve biko um and why do you think um someone like Steve Biko resonates with young people until this day
1: um you know when I when I was you know trying to figure out what what to call the platform um uh the name kids of Biko was very highly contested or not contested but there was a lot of like mm, but Kanye are you sure um but for me the reason why I had to, um, and why I'm, I'm very happy that I did make the decision, is because as a philosopher, activist, and everything that um, Steve Biko is and represents, um, at the essence of him, um, and 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 his philosophy was the idea of black consciousness. Um, you know, seeing, or even beyond just black consciousness as a mere movement, um, I just fell in in love and and very impacted by um his his vision or he his solution um you know of how do we deal with you know 300 years of being colonized of apartheid or all these things um is through black love but black love in a a radical as a like as a radical liberation um type of method you know so so when i talk about black love i'm not necessarily talking black love in like a romantic sense but i'm talking in the sense of developing or um you know conscientizing um black worth you know looking at yourself and seeing um, seeing someone who has so much pride, seeing someone um, with so much dignity, um, seeing someone that comes from and and is like uh, you know our our history is part of our DNA, and um, you know just African Africans and Africa, our history is so rich. Um, it's so rich in culture, it's so rich in diversity, it's so rich in power it's so so rich in strength um and and you know for for me that's just something that that always resonates and that makes sense um and I think just amongst the youth um i I see that as a one thing that we can use as as a thing that we that that brings us together as a, our connecting cord because you know when we talk about like the the young generation um of the youth from 1976 they had a clear, I mean, the thing that brought them together was that they all had one enemy, and that was whiteness, right? The, the apartheid regime and all that stuff. And just something that lacks with us is that we don't have that one thing that we all agree on, especially now, um, you know, with the developing middle class. Now, um, you know, you do have black people who benefit from black privilege, you know, so, 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 like our blackness. Is, I mean, yes, our blackness is still the thing that will connect us, but I just, yeah, I was saying um, that black love is is the real thing that you know can can bring us together in a in a way that will allow us to um, to really challenge the system. Um, mm. And and then, so yeah, so that's why that, that's just something that really resonated um, with me and why I ended up choosing um, Steve Beale as our
0: name. And I also think, like, um, with his work of, like you said, Black consciousness and how, in the space that you were in, how important it was to fulfill that, that part of you, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm sure for all the other girls in that space as well, you know, like, being constantly like you said living half lives or ignoring the one for the other you know um, being able to just be you know I am a, a black body and being a black woman body um, these are the things that I come with you know um, so I think because some of the things he stands for makes so much sense um, in that space personally for me yeah um, and, and talking about like saying we, like the objectives and things we need to think about as a people for your organization, what are some of your main objectives or what 's most important for you guys to to tackle within this vast space of issues that
1: um, black people live with? Um, I think our, like, main three missions um, would be decolonization, educating, and celebrating Blackness, and, um, you know, that's looked very differently over the years, Um, but it is um, fundamentally just about um, sharing of our history, um, you know, creating Black archives, um, and, and exposing more um, bodies to these types of archives so um you know not 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 always just um not necessarily political all the time but even just the you know the creative history um that was happening um through music through art through through you know, through dance, like, I'm just thinking of Bo, Miriam Ageva and, you know, so if we go through our feed, these are the people who, you know, we often speak about, because the work that they were doing, you know, was just as important as the people who were, um, you know, on it, going, who are in exile, or whatever the case might be, um, and another big, big part of Kids of Beagle is our community projects, um, so for us, uh, the community project aspect of Kizabiko was really just saying, okay, look, we've had these conversations, um, we've talked through these things. Um, now, how do we, how do we change? Talk into action, um, and and looking, I mean, going towards our you know black communities was was um, how we we dealt with that question, um, and so Kizabiko over the years we've done a lot of like. Um, projects um that you know will help you know people like help um help like food with food and stuff like that but also a lot of projects that also just um you know just to uplift the community so um we have the annual glam team sorry glam room which basically we select about five um five girls from joburg and makanda um and we help them with their matric dance so we literally do everything from you know the outfit the jewelry um also a young like pre-drinks for them and their family um and of course that that is just to um alleviate their their parents but also um like for a lot of the girls that we do and help helping you know they they do so well in school um but because of finances and things that really um you know are not their faults. um they most likely wouldn't even have been able to go to the matric dance. So those are the types of projects that, um, we are, are over that we've started. Um, COVID did kind of set us back a lot. There's a lot that we were hoping to do last year, but, um, yeah, we were also just learning to, to adapt and hopefully, um, this year we'll see at least new three new projects.
0: And then to go, uh, talk about the education part mm-hmm. of go there's a lot of stuff that you guys do on instagram instagram live mm-hmm. um the conversations that you have i know the one where there was a series about um blackness in academia mm-hmm. and then Talk about the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. Um, do you mind sharing
1: one of those projects? Right. So the series that you're referring to is called the Black Review, um, and and basically that that was as adapting to COVID. Um, those conversations were actually supposed to be events. But um, because we were all separated and, and just social dis- distancing and all that stuff, we decided to um, implement a, a series on, on Instagram Lives. And um, the idea was for us to tackle, deal with um, a, a, like a range of conversations that were centered around, um, well, that revolved around, you know, young black bodies um so so that allowed us to to you know look at a whole lot of different aspects um because everything you know because of the intersectionalities of like sexuality of of you know academia and like all these different um all these different topics um so yeah so yeah we we literally just looked at like a whole lot of different um at topics that related to young people and we got um we got professionals or you know just people activists just people that were um deeply or heavily you know versed or had like a good sense of knowledge um for those particular conversations um yeah
0: I think that's super cool. Um even the one um where of something of consciousness. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: Yes. I think that's also like just the the whole um idea is super cool because where do where do we get a chance to get involved in those competitions, you know? Spaces like that are so important. Um and as well the, as time goes and more access and other things influence our day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Um, The experiences change, you know, Um, and there needs to be somewhere where people can go and be like, oh, yes, I saw this conversation happening there, so, um, you know, I'm not the only one going through this, you know. I think that's the most important. And I think also for us at Outside Radio, that was my our whole idea as well like we we are going through these things we are in varsity we go to work you know um it's like the the black child suffers alone Mm -hmm. type of thing um it's such an internalized shameful um experience when you're going through something whereas really the next person is also going through the same thing but no one is speaking about it because um it's looked down upon and you know the the more we speak about it, the more we share it, the more we document um the the experiences and the the black experience really mm. the the better as well because also the work that you guys are doing. Um think about it like when we're gone, you know, people will have access to this. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's most important. there's a lot of our history and our experiences that are missing and are either written by white people, so like is the information even true? Mm. You, know, mm. you just really never know. You spoke about the arts and um how. People also there's, there's stories in the arts. People need to be aware of those stories. How people contributed through music, through plays, theater, through poetry, etc., um, to activism. Um, how 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 important is arts
1: in the activist realm? I think it's extremely, extremely important. In fact, um, for me, it was my loyalty towards drama in high school that really, really got me to discover and realize that everything that we were being taught in in school and you know just all the other subjects was always being taught in a glass ceiling, Um, whereas. You know, drama is the 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 only subject. Well, you know, the most um, imperative subject that actually allowed me to um, engage with writings um, from people and philosophers such as Steve Beekle. So, um, you know, the power in in art is 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 so powerful. <laughs> it's so powerful, and and you know, we very often neglect it, but also. Um, now as a university student um it just it's got me to really think about what we consider as academic um and i think that that's where the problem with how people genuinely view art and culture oh that's where people being left behind because you know we we've become so programmed to believing that anything that's academic or anything that you're learning from has to be um presented in like a very formal type of structure you know it has to be in um you know in in just in the syllabuses or whatever that we get from school but the the beauty of art and culture and you know arts and craft is that art very literally is a reflection of society. The people, anyone who's making anything that is creative, is getting that from either their own personal experiences or what they are seeing um, in real life. Um, so art is actually—I don't know. I think like art, art is actually our closest and most authentic reflection of society of the realities of society so art activism um you know that 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 that's its role and that's you know it's it's key um like I even mentioned for miriam Akeba um you know I, if you when you listen to to the music that she was creating um it very literally was a reflection of what 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 was life like for black bodies um you know during the apartheid regime you know um and and through that she was able to able to allow for more people who weren't in South Africa to understand or to even hear what was going on because I get through media and stuff like that the government and stuff were regulating what people were saying but it was through music through art that people were creating that people you know other people were able to to gain the knowledge of, of what was going on so so you know that's yeah I think that art activism is extremely important and it's unfortunate that I think specifically in black homes um, you know art I don't know there's, 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 there's a very there's a very um, what's the word like, like it's not taken seriously you know it's very undermined you know when you tell like for a lot of I know a lot of you know young children have experiences like when you tell your parents like look I want to study drama rather than you know the traditional courses and stuff like that it's like are you sure you know what is this thing going to give you what you know what's happening there but for me I think through drama even in university that's really where I've come to understand myself Um, and and um, yeah I think uh art is like
0: super important you know um oh yeah drama really was uh, a good space um to to explore um that whole concept of art and activism because a lot of drama um or theater itself came from that place you yeah. know place of like hurt, torment, you know. Um, and it was a, a reflection of what people were going through and feeling at that time. And to bring it to South Africa, for me, what I really loved um, with protest theatre was how it went to the people. So I'll make a, a general example of how Waza Albert started. Waza Albert um, was basically like performed on the streets mm-hmm. you know before it even went to uh, a theater house you know it was performed on the streets for the people to engage with it you know and people enjoyed it you know people enjoyed that stuff and i think maybe it's like a a lack of access i guess sure. to to the arts and also seeing how the arts don't necessarily pay, you know, um, when you talk about it not being taken seriously as a profession in our communities. You know, a lot of people, we are in disadvantaged spaces, you know, so when people go get educated, the, the purpose is to come back with bread, you know not not another empty stomach you know that
1: is the problem though the reason Mm. why the arts aren't generating you know millionaires on on you know daily is because of our attitude towards it Mm. like i'm specifically speaking about south africa as you know as a country and as a nation just the Mm. fact that our government is hardly putting in any money i mean of course then you're not going to really build um you're not going to build the profession whereas you know when you look at places like canada the government puts in so much money from into their their like creatives and stuff like that and that's why and that's how they end up becoming you know as big as ball drake and stuff like that because once the government finds this person the government will invest invest and, and allow that person to then you know Start getting recognized um, overseas or whatever, but with us it's always the opposite. we have to first get recognized overseas and then we start you know and that's only when as people we want to put in money um and all that stuff so I don't think um yeah so I think I think that the the, the problem there is our attitude towards um towards you yes. know, the arts yeah and I mean even the Jewish you know that's how Jewish people generate. Um, that's how they've generated generational wealth, is because they invest in their artists. Once a new artist comes, you know, everyone is going to auction and that creates value. That's what allows, you know, that particular art piece to become as valuable as it is where, you know, now it's it's already going for the millions. Um, So yeah, I think that that's just also something that we need to work on as a country. Mm, I totally agree there's like zero
0: funding in um art schools and if you want to go to an art school it's like a a private school yeah um there's no um like government or or should i say model c school that um that caters to the arts or any of the sort, really, because yeah. art is something that moves us, yeah. right? And yeah. we speaking specifically to activism, you you might see an art piece or uh, a graphic, and that will move you more, you know, than someone saying to you, Izama Sambe, to go protest somewhere real quick, mm. you know. You you might feel more inclined to do something about something when you are exposed to to the art sure. you know what what are your thoughts about that as like art as a form of disruption to our
1: normal day-to-day life see the thing is um, I think also just the beauty of art is you can is, is because of the way a message is told is able to ignite or bring up a lot more than just words or, you know, like what you're saying, like just the, the day-to-day. That's why something like that would catch you um, because it, it plays with your emotion. It plays with your mental. It plays, you know, uh, you know. I think it even like plays with your, 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 your spirit, I guess. Because um, right now I'm just thinking of the... Um, the whole <laughs> the whole saga where um someone painted um a a painting of Jacob Zuma with um his penis or whatever whatever the situation was um the good man and someone came and actually put a cross and like painted over that painting um you know and you know funny enough that painting um, ended up like it it got the, the its value and its price ended up going up completely like it literally shot up um so that you know and it's because of the disruption part of it um also just think that through art you're able to say a lot more without saying the most if that makes sense you know it's very clear very to the point when you know the reason why the mural whatever that you saw has has you know um stuck with you is because it was very very clean but very impactful and i just think that that's like um just the power of art generally is um you know you we be able to say a lot more without saying too much or without having to do the most and lastly going back to the term dignity
0: um, we've spoken about you guys as an organization, which you guys stand for, some of the work that you're doing on the ground. Um, how do you think all of this that you guys are doing as an organization um, re- replenishes that dignity, replenishes the the, the blackness, replenishes the the... the the my deem lorna yeah. and I have the right to, to to be who I am, you know. Um how how do you think um kids of ego plays a role in the greater context?
1: Um I think I well, I have to speak like specifically about the different projects because I think every every project has its own um it has its own answer for this question but um you know because just looking at like the the kids of the kids of wiko glam room that i was speaking to you about i think um for the girls i think that that reaffirms them of you know the work that they've put in the effort that they've put in and also just that thing of you know i've worked so hard throughout my high school life and, you know, I've taken on all these challenges, you know, the challenges that do come with being a black woman in a, you know, white supremacist society. And to be quite frankly, like I did that, you know, and so I also deserve to be celebrated. I deserve to have my day of, you know, I'm here and I exist and I'm proud of myself. And I think for the parents, because, um, you know, like I was saying, for a lot of those parents, you know, um, as well as, as as um, amazing as their kids do for a lot of them they just simply don't have the funds to give their children that so I think um you know our work there really does um also kind of you know affirm the parents of you know um that you you've done what you've done um I mean you're doing what you you're doing and you're not alone type of thing um but via more of like our our archives and um you know collecting history and and you know sharing that with people i think um I think that it it does it does a mental work of just affirming people of color um of our history and again of what we are capable of doing so we're very very big on celebrating um you know the you know people who have accomplished things in their own rights and i think for someone else to be taking that in it is also that thing of like why is it you know i'm able um doing that thing as well and i think that that's where the pride comes in and also just having um the knowledge of your history of you know damn bro like this is actually what my ancestors did and my ancestors did this without um you know without the internet without all these things that have um all these things that we um all these things that we benefit from but also things that um you know europeans and people who colonized us came i mean have have had we did it without those things so it's also just like very reaffirming um in that way Um, And yeah, just again, like just knowing where you come from and um, where you come from, who you are and and where you're going. Um, That's been like a very, very key aspect to, to, you know, Kids of Beagle's work um, and just really wanting more people to have that access you know access to that information um so so for us like instagram twitter have been like you know very helpful in that so many people already engage with you know that type of i mean those apps and so for you to now be engaging with that content um you know it's really dope um and uh, yeah it does a lot to you shim mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: like um i think what's really cool about what you just said understanding that we have a history and our history is of people who were doing amazing things you know sure. uh, that validates that validates you as a person yeah you know that yeah. really does make you go okay yeah no do, do now yeah. you know
1: as a black body in a space i wanted um, to say the the thing is also just genuinely like when a lot of people when we most of the time we do talk about African history. we do usually um you know it it starts and it ends with like colonization and apartheid, and then it's almost like it's done so I think also um our work has been going. Beyond that you know and 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 really showing people would say um black history did not start when you know white people decided to come and colonize us there's already so much happening, like we had empires, we already had um you know we had so much happening here um and and there were people doing the most um that we often don't hear about and and us not hearing about those people is also very intentional, so we're trying to intentionally um you know combat that and and you know give the information that people are very clever to leave out all the time
0: Mm,
1: that's that's very true that's very true
0: um there's an unwritten history that we we don't get access to or there are some books that are available but aren't available at exclusive books Mm. you know Mm. um so yeah that's super true um from my side i think that's it do you have any last words you'd like to part with
1: us with the listeners um yeah just i want to say thank you again um you know for having us on this platform um and if anyone is listening um, who's never heard of Kids of Beagle before please do go have a look at our social media we're on Instagram and Twitter at kids underscore of underscore beagle um, and, and, yeah, I just hope, you know, more people can engage with what we do and, you know, if, if people have information, you know, that, that they want to share, um, please may they also feel free to share that with us um, and we will, you know, share it to everyone else.
0: And, yeah, cool. Thank you. thank you so much, Kanye. Um, I had such a great conversation, <laughs> Learned so much. Um, please do follow Kids of Vigo on Instagram Twitter Um, they also have a YouTube page check out their Insta lives Um, they're all archived so they're all available on the page doing really super dope amazing work um, for young people it's important that we engage in each other's work support each other um, so people can bring better quality stuff to you you never know you know what how um organizations different organizations can impact your life um in the future so please do check it out please check them out thank you again for being on the show follow us also on outside radio underscore on instagram and you can check out all of our work um previous episodes of ugly girls club and other podcasts are available on there as well um and that's me nico until next time